the way the world's been going, there's usually something to talk about like every week, but it feels pretty I didn't quiet. outright go for it. I felt like I had enough looking at what I'm looking at for yeah. this week's episode. Oh, I guess. Have you heard about the election results in Peru? Well, they're still coming in right now. It's basically a tight race between the daughter of the previous dictator of Peru during the 90s and somebody who openly identifies as a Marxist. He was the head of the teachers union and his parents were peasant farmers. Castillo? Yeah. Anyhow, he's up by a slim margin right now. And the previous dictator's daughter has already pulled the complete Trump move of saying, nope, there's a bunch of unfair votes in there. We got it's it's a sham. So keep your eye out on Peru. We, we talk a lot about politics, mostly in South America, which is hilarious because neither of us have been to South America. Sorry, I talk about it. But one thing I find very interesting about this style of Marxist belief is he's actually very right with socially. So he does not believe abortions are a right. He does not believe in uh, gay rights. He does not believe in legalizing marijuana. But yeah. he's also saying that he wants the Constitution rewritten. And if any of that is in there, then he will he's fine with it. Right. We've talked about that, right? That's the Chilean Constitution that is being rewritten right now. Oh, and this is? This is Peru. Peru. Yeah. But just something to look into if you find that interesting. And I, I guess a lighthearted intro into what is going to be a very heavy topic. And viewer discretion is advised because there are very many photos that we could show you. I don't know if we will. That is just for the live audience. And if you are just now learning about our live audience, we do this every Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So come join us over on Twitch. Oh, in, like, in like a month, people will hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Welcome to Journey to the Fringe. My name is Taylor. I am one of your beloved co-hosts here, along with Chelsea. Chelsea, the other one. Yes. And there are no unbeloved co-hosts because there are only two of us. Craig sometimes <laughs> happens, but that's that's Craig's thing. Craig's a net yeah. neutral. Yeah, he just observes. And today, let's just cut straight to the chase. Animals die all the time. Humans die all the time. It's a very natural thing. We're going to be talking about cases of death where there's questions about it, specifically what's called animal mutilation. Chelsea, how about you start it out? I know you've got some good notes there. This one was a really hard episode for me to research because I love animals. Of have been, of course, in researching lots of pictures come up, which are quite disturbing. So a warning to everyone listening to this episode, maybe don't Google or if you're sensitive to animals... We already gave the listener discretion advised. Just a quick definition on animal mutilations, the quickest one I could ever give you. It's the killing and mutilation of an animal under unusual and anomalous circumstances. What exactly are we talking in regards to animal mutilations? More often than not, what you're going to hear about with animal mutilations are cattle, right? Is that what you hear about mostly, Taylor? Well, 
we grew up on a cattle farm, so I think we have yeah. a certain affinity to it. I was always curious about it. I always remember asking Dad if he ever heard about it, and he always said no. I remember specifically hearing Dad talk about it actually one night when we were over at a family friend's house, and he's talking Wait. about hearing it on Coast to Coast. Yes, I but mean, I don't think it was ever anything that was talked about at the auction. Real life, like that. yeah, no, in real life we never. But I did find a few articles uh, just outside of Calgary of yeah. cattle mutilation. Yeah, I I think we got the same one then. <laughs> 2015. Yeah, we probably did. I think yeah. so, yeah. That's um, not to say that we didn't have animals die on the farm. That was actually yeah. quite common. Which is um, common with animals that they yeah. die just like humans. I mean, they yeah. all come to the end of their life eventually. Well, and especially, well, sorry, not our farm in particular, but the way we treat livestock in general predisposes them to earlier death. I think is safe yeah. there. Yeah, we make I them live very short, fair. very fat friendly lives it wasn't exclusive to us but generally what we had on our farm was sometimes they'd die of illness sometimes they'd die of bloat that was quite common when you had a rainy season and every now and then you get a coyote getting one usually it was pretty clear when a coyote got it and i don't think those are typical because in general size compared to coyotes they're not gonna go after a strong that was generally with the calves that they would yeah. yeah, so but. mostly when you hear about animal mutilations, it's going to be cattle. However, it's not exclusive to our cow friends. So animals being reported include rabbits, sheep, horses, goats, pigs, cats, dogs, bison, deer, elk, kangaroos, and even humans, which I'm not even touching in this episode. I don't know if you are. I had one case I wanted to talk about. Really? Oh my yeah. God, I'm excited because those are really hard to come by. Anything other than cattle, horses, sheep are very hard to come by, actually. Well, and when it's anything that's smaller, it generally is easier to explain away as some type of deranged individual yeah, particularly thing- with household pet mutilation yeah and i mean there's so many things with messed up people where those are just easier targets right other than cows and horses i mean they're what are messed up people like that gonna go after a horse or a dribble or yeah first off you gotta know where the horses are yeah. you gotta be able to get to them you gotta be able to um power a horse lure it is- away and overpower yeah. a horse what these mutilations have in common, I know I mentioned above that they're anomalous. So if you've never heard of an animal mutilation, you're probably wondering right now, like, what what's up with this? Animals die. What these animal mutilations have in common is they're generally found shortly after, I would say. I mean, there are people who would say that it's, you know, who knows how long after they've been found. But they'll come upon this animal after having it go missing uh, that are mutilated. So... They are generally have bloodless excisions, which can include missing eyeballs, ears, jaw flesh, tongue, lymph nodes, genitals and sex organs, and rectum are removed. Mostly in all of them, it is most of these, if not all of them that are missing on the animals when they are found. So it appears to be these are removed with very sharp, precise, and clean instruments. So not specifically not eaten or torn off as would be the case with predators and or scavengers. And the wounds are clean and carried out surgically. So they're very precise, clean, surgical things. Incisions. Incisions. Yeah. (laughs) 
Thank you. So a lot of the wounds are found hard with darkened edge and the incisions as if solderized at a very high heat. And so where you would see an ear removed, it would be a perfect circle clear to the bone and everything removed. No blood typically is what you'll be looking at when you're seeing something cored and removed from one of these animals. Yeah. And... From case to case, you're going to get other factors involved as well, particularly with the environment. But when Mm. we're talking about the corpse itself, that's just a good kind of overview of everything. Yeah, I I just tried tried to get as much as I could. It is a corpse that is mostly left intact, save for a few features being intentionally, it looks intentionally removed be it an ear, an utter genitalia, rectum. But the rest is mostly intact. Mostly, yes. Okay, so I don't know if you're going anywhere with that. but I was going to kind of start uh, go into the history of it now. Oh, I was just going to continue finishing kind of what okay, they're... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, what? Um, carcasses are usually drained of blood and show no sign of blood in the immediate area or area around the wounds. Lab reports show strange anomalies with high or low levels of vitamins or minerals in the tissue samples. So it does get even deeper than that with the absence of vitamins or minerals being... I have an example here, which I thought was so super strange, I had to include it as an example with the lab reports. So there was an 11-month-old bull who was Hold found... On. Just- Hold on. Let's go into the history of everything before we get into the reports, because the reports do come fairly later on. This is more an example of the lab report, but I can go on to my next thing to summarize them. Some reports of these animals include broken bones in the animals as if dropped from a high elevation to where they're resting. And then no tracks or footprints are found near the carcass. However, stray marks or imprints near the site have been found, such as holes punched in the ground or a trail of suction cup-like impressions, just to name a few strange marks that are found less any footprints or anything, even of the animals. These are reported worldwide, but mostly come from the Americas and Australia, specifically being areas like Colorado and Utah, where there are a large number of farming communities with cattle and horses. And then, obviously, mutilation investigators say a large number go unreported, as many as 1 in 10, mostly as with we've heard on everything that we've been talking about for fear of being ridiculed is why they say it's probably so low. So that's just the little rundown of generally what we're talking about in regards to animal mutilation. And just to add to that, the reason a lot of these also probably don't get reported is what does the farmer really get out of it? If he sees this one dead animal, yeah, it looks weird, but, and that's kind of the whole idea of the community is if it's going to hurt the community, just leave it be. Exactly. And that could be another thing. And it's the same with disease and stuff like that. It's going to hurt, hurt your business more than anything if you're reporting it. Mutilations do go back fairly far with regards to livestock. The first really written report that was out there comes from the court of King James of England, King James I, in 1606. And they stated about the city of London and some of the shires adjoining, whole slaughters of sheep have been made in some places to number 100, in others less, where nothing is taken from the sheep but their tallow and some inward parts. The whole carcasses and fleece remaining still behind of this sundry conjectures, but most agree that it tendeth towards some fireworks. 
Right there, it we've got the classic things in there. It's missing the in parts. Everything on the outside is intact, except the in parts are all gone. Seems um, so calm about it in this. It's the court, so they got to write it in a more formal okay. fashion. <laughs> uh, could you imagine back then in the 1600s seeing something like this, though, when they probably had no... I would actually like to know how the courts handled that, because that is some peasant's entire livelihood right there. Not only that, but it's probably incredibly above the technology that they had at that time yeah but i'm guessing it was the devil he sprung up and suck out the inside something along those lines it's you it's a lot easier to explain this stuff away in 1606 i'm pretty sure that's still something that is explained away with it these days Yeah. And then a professor by the name of Bill Ellis, who wrote a book called Raising the Devil, Satanism, New Religions in the Media. He kind of touched on this as well. And sorry, he's a professor at Penn State, Hazleton. In an interview, he said the earliest cycle of stories that I've seen to date back to the beginning of the 20th century in England. There were cycles of panic that were caused by people allegedly killing and mutilating horses and domestic animals of various kinds. And there were a number of explanations that then created an additional flap on top of that. And that's mostly what I'm interested in. When you have all these theories that explain the mutilations, then those theories take on a life of their own. There are two ideas. One, there was a wolf that had been somebody's pet that had escaped and was committing all of these mutilations. Wolves by that time were extinct in England. So there's no way that an actual wolf could have appeared and done all these things. And the other thing that it was a lunatic, that there was somebody going around and doing this out of some kind of psychological compulsion. And in fact, there were a person who was arrested and was tried and convicted of committing a number of these mutilations. And an interesting twist from there, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was the creator of Sherlock Holmes, actually Mm -hmm. investigated the evidence and found a number of faults and determined that the person had been set up as the culprit because people had an ethnic prejudice against him. He was an East Indian, a scapegoat to blame for these incidents. Now, from there, there's a kind of a big break, but I think really where everything really picks up is in about in the 1960s. Yeah, I would say 1960s to 1970s. And it wasn't really tied to UFOs, obviously, in that time you're talking about. So where I see it kind of pick up with the UFOs is a horse named Lady. And Lady is also referred to as Snippy after this incident. However, I'm... God, that's morbid. Yeah, it is morbid, isn't it? So I'm just going to continue to call her Lady. Everything you usually are going to find on her is called Snippy. Even her owner refers to her as Snippy after this event, which I don't even get that kind of thinking. If you had an animal and this happens than referring to your animal as Snippy. And I don't think it's very nice to take away from her name. So I'm going to call her Lady. So what happened to Lady? Lady was taken care of by Harry, who lived with his mom in the San Luis Valley. And Lady belonged to Nellie, who lived in Alamosa, and Harry was her brother. And her caregiver, Harry, became concerned to her whereabouts when she did not come to get her treat as usual. So Harry went looking for her. And I'm just going to assume that her treats are apples because horses like apples they love apples and they love carrots yeah or carrots so harry went looking for lady and harry found ladies lying on her side head stripped bare to the bone with precision cuts to the flank which are the sides of the body from the upper abdomen to the back lungs brain heart abdomen abdominal organs and thyroid were gone and there was no material in the spinal column 
So blood was found at the scene and there is a strong smell of acetone in the air, which I always find interesting with any type of sighting with having any sort of smell or notable. Yeah, I I couldn't say I know exactly what the smell of acetone is. Everybody, I've seen it a lot described as a medicinal smell in the air. Yes, yeah, exactly that. This one specifically cites acetone. So upon the news, Nellie hurries to the ranch with her husband, Burl, upon news of Lady. Upon arrival, they notice the acetone smell still in the air. So they arrive within the same day. It would be hours later. So they notice that there's an absence of tracks within 100 feet, 30 meter radius of Lady. Even the horse... At this point, really only three people would have seen the horse, correct? It would have been Harry who was watching the horse and then these two people, correct? To my knowledge, yes. Yeah. No, there were more people called in. Eventually, uh, yes. But they noted this early on that there's no tracks. Yeah. Horses own tracks are missing in this area. However, they did find 15 burn marks, which they thought could be exhaust marks. A hundred yards north of Lady, they find two bushes within a 10 foot radius were flattened within 10 inches of the ground. They also find six indentations, which are two inches across and six inches deep to form a circle three feet in diameter. Nellie, who's the owner, finds a gelatin-like green glob in the bushes along with a piece of metal covered in horsehair. And after touching these items, her hands begin to burn and hurt until she washed them. I personally, I can't say that I would have been compelled to touch those things if I found them in a bush after finding a mutilated animal, but to each their own and her hands burned. So I don't know. Maybe she shouldn't have done that. Because it was too hot or... um... No, from my understanding, it was not because it was too hot. It was more... And I can't tell you exactly why, but there's repeated counts in situations like that where it like this, where they touch either the animal or something that they found at the scene and their hands hurt until they wash them. So that's just something that she noted. And it definitely wasn't because it was too hot. It was probably more like a chemical sort of burning. And just a quick look up, acetone does have a weak acidity to it. Okay. I don't know that I no, would even something, but that. something that they've been smelling, and she happens to touch something around there. If it happened to be acidic, that would burn your hands. Okay, maybe I, don't I should think it's smell acetone enough, so that I know if I'm smelling acetone, just in case I've been in a situation like that and I couldn't know that I was because I couldn't smell the acetone. Didn't know. We got to smell more stuff. Yeah, we got to smell more stuff. Exactly. So Nellie reports this to the sheriff at the time, Ben Phillips, who says it was lightning, even though the weather reports didn't show any activity. There is also a theory put forth that because of the lightning, Lady had forced herself through a fence to reduce these injuries to herself, which I don't know any animal that would cause their own death because they're so fearful to get out of the situation. Well, that's... Exactly what head smashed in Buffalo Park is in Alberta. Well, they didn't really know. They know they're running off a cliff. No, but if you freak out an animal, like, they will just go through a fence. Yeah. Like, even on the farm, we did have barbed wire fences everywhere. But it's more so just because it is an inconvenience to the cow, less so than it actually stops them. Yeah. They can get through the fence easy if they want. Like, to cause 
to cause injury where it's literally peeling back the skin, the bone. Yeah. That and wouldn't even be it because it's so precise. It wouldn't have been a fence. Yeah. And I, it never gets described that there was any broken fences or anything in this specific area. Right. I didn't even think about that. And a farmer would mention that because if there's one they thing you remember about the farm, yeah. they know even more than their animals, they know how their fences, fences are. Yeah. <laughs> always checking the fences and closing the gates. Yeah. So the U.S. Forest Service employee showed up with a Geiger counter, which spiked around the burn marks and the green globs and metal wrapped in horse hair. Doctor, and I may be saying this name wrong, I 100% probably am, Altschuler. Um, who's a blood coagulation expert, inspected lady, and found that the organs missing were removed with some of the cleanest cuts he had ever seen. He told the reporter... Yep. Is he going to talk about blood? Yes. Okay, good. Pretty sure he does. (laughs) Just let me read this. If he's an expert in blood, no, he's going to talk about how the organs are missing. I would want a different guy in there. Yeah. (laughs) So he told the reporter many years later that I have done hundreds of autopsies and you can't cut into a body without getting some blood. There is no blood on the skin or on the ground, no blood anywhere. The outer edges of the skin were cut firm, almost as if they had been cauterized by a modern-day laser. And there is no cauterizing laser technology like that in 1967. So he did talk about blood a little bit. I guess there wasn't a lot of blood to talk about. (laughs) There wasn't, no. I think one of the most important things to note, though, is with the cuts on them, they almost look like they're cauterized, which is... Strange, I think. I mean, I'm not a veterinarian. And this does come up later. I'll I'll talk about it a bit. Decomposition does leave weird traces on the the skin as well, which can be mistaken for other things if you're not trained to know what it looks like. Yeah. And most people who are making observation and most of these, and I'm not done talking about lady, but most of these cases, veterinarians are being called in because these are most of the time who are used to seeing death on the farm. They're used to seeing predators. They're used to seeing natural death. They're used to seeing all these causes of death on these animals. But these are legitimately weird cases of mutilation that they're seeing on these animals that they're happening upon that have gone missing. You best believe when you have cattle that are worth four, five, six thousand dollars, they're accounting for every single one of those livestock that they're... Or in this case, a horse. Those things are expensive. Yeah. So when one goes missing, I mean... You're looking for it, and I don't imagine, it never says, you know, how actually long it is, but it's never going to be very long that they are gone for some of the explanations we're going to see. It's not going to be long enough for some of these creatures to happen. Some of the... The natural decomposition. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. To happen. These are not... It's not going to ever be a long period of time that these animals are gone missing for. With that being said, a few other things to note in the scene with Lady is that the carcass had lain exposed for several days after this. However, it did not bloat or smell of decomposition and no predators or vultures would go near it. There's other reports and other cases of animal mutilation that animals would not come within that like say 100 foot area that the animal had no footprints around they would come around but they wouldn't go with within that area what they kind would of walk animals around like other horses not horses the one specifically that i heard listening were cattle okay 
they would they would come around, but they wouldn't go within that say hundred foot area or the area where there weren't footprints found yeah. within. But and just one thing to add to that about that time that they've been missing. So one place that isn't great for paperwork and records being kept is a cattle farm. They don't yeah. write down last time they saw things when they closed this gate. X Y Z. No. And for payouts. For insurance or other purposes, sometimes the government pays these out as well, depending on the circumstances. It can be in your best interest just to kind of seem like a better farmer than you were in those scenarios. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you saw that cow? Oh, I did the check of all the cattle last night. Yeah. But you don't really say, I kind of just did a rough count of the animals. I didn't know if anything was missing at that time. True. Very true point. So it is just a couple things to take account of. I'm not saying this solves all of the cases that we've we'll talk about but it's something that should be you should be aware of yeah oh it is a good point to make but with this this one in particular this was one horse that this guy had so to go on which makes ladies so famous the pueblo chieftain in pueblo colorado published a story about lady which was picked up and distributed nationwide and was the first instance of speculation that extraterrestrials and ufos were associated with these events a local superior court judge named Charles Bennett witnessed three orange rings in the sky flying in triangular formation at incredible speeds in conjunction with these sightings, which would have been the night previous to Lady being found. As well, two sheriff deputies reported being followed around by a floating orange globe and were threatened to lose their jobs if they reported it. So I'm honestly not sure. Who threatened them? Was it the orb? Yes. Um, (laughs) No, it would have been the police department. I'm honestly not sure how we have this sighting, though, because they were threatened to lose their jobs. And here we are talking about them talking about having a sighting. So This is... The 60s, they're ex-employees at some point. Yeah. So with the news of possible UFO involvement, this did make it to the Condon Committee, uh, which you can go back and listen to in episode two of our podcast, which we talk about there. And it was a group, if you need a refresher, which you should just go back to episode two. (laughs) And see how much our quality is improved. Exactly. You can just judge us on how much better we are. So it was a group funded by the U.S. Air Force, if you need a refresher, in which they had pathologist Dr. Robert Adams investigate. And their official finding in this particular case with Lady was that there's no evidence to support the assertion that the horse's death was associated in any way to an abnormal cause. Case number 32 in the Condon Committee. The Condon Committee was set up to disprove everything it could just yeah i find generally that's what people are out to do with these yeah there's that weird spat where project blue book kind of took a different set but overall all the committees and the uh reports that came out from the 40s up until recently are all kind of trying to dismiss what's happening Yeah, exactly. Which clearly I feel personally like there's definitely something abnormal happening with this. And it is something where you actually have physical evidence from something abnormal happening, which is actually pretty unique to all the cases that we talk about. From there, do you have any other sightings that you want to talk about? I had some very recent sightings. I was... Planning on letting you handle everything from the 70s on. 
I just kind of hit some of the more renowned yeah. um, sightings. So I'm just going to go back and talk about this other one that I have just because it's not a more renowned sighting. It's just super strange in the characteristics of what they were finding in the mutilations. Okay. So an 11 month old bull was found deceased, which had had the classic mutilation signs present, which included pretty much everything that I've already covered, including cord out rectum, removal of sex organs, precise cuts in removing all of these lack of blood. So both the liver and the heart were white and mushy upon investigating organs had the texture and consistency of peanut butter the organs were sent to laboratories and found to be completely devoid of any copper and contained four times the normal level of zinc potassium and phosphorus and any blood samples that were taken were a light pink color and the animal's hide was also found to be unusually brittle for its estimated time of death and the flesh underneath was discolored. Which also brings me to another point that upon finding some of these animals they appear to be deflated. If you can imagine looking at something like that and I could show you a picture well, if you wanted. That is part of the natural death cycle of a cow though because after a cow dies it's going to go through for all intents and purposes it's fermentation it bloats really big but then it deflates yeah so eventually a dead cow is just going to look very deflated yeah. And then we also talk about the time frame of these animals as well. So, I mean, there's no clear cut on this bull, baby bull. It's 11 months old, which it's found. And this case I find crazy because all this information can be confirmed on a report on the FBI's website in its vault. One sec. At least, oh. sorry, if you're good at reading some very broken text that see the liver was checked against healthy food something oh food market liver which showed a difference to the mutilated bull's liver the bull's liver contained no copper and four times the phosphorus zinc and potassium it also goes on to say that it had broken ribs and that it tried to explain away the discoloration of the blood through uh radiation It is believed that this type of radiation is not harmful to humans, although approximately seven people who visited the something, something. However, this writer has had no such symptoms after checking approximately 11 until blank in the past four months. Yeah. So yes, it's all right here in very hard to read English. Yeah. And um... every now and then you can find some interesting stuff on the FBI's website. Interesting with the broken ribs as you see a lot in the mutilations. So there was another report from a veterinarian who did a full autopsy on the mutilation steer. This is a different one. Sorry, this is not the 11-month-old bull. Um, This is just another mutilation case that I found interesting. Another mutilation on a steer, and they had called a veterinarian in to look at the steer. And this is actually from one of the mutilations that Linda Moulton Howe had investigated, who is probably one of the leading people doing investigations. She's really the only one. Yeah, and she's really good. If you Um, want to learn more about animal mutilations, go listen to Linda Moulton Howe. She has a great YouTube channel called Earth Files. And yeah, she's all over the map. 
I love her. So this one's actually from her. There's actually another report from a veterinarian who did a full autopsy on a mutilation steer. And they had done a full autopsy on this steer. And they had found that the pericardium, which is a sac around the heart, was fully intact with no heart present. So upon analysis of the pericardium, there were no holes, cuts, or anything to explain how the heart could have been removed from within this animal, which is pretty creepy, actually. Something like that was still fully intact. But those are all the sightings I have. Yeah. When this started happening, uh, a lot of farmers, as they do, complained to the government. Government started getting involved. You can actually see in the FBI reports that there were um, letters from the uh, U.S. Senate to the FBI to perform an investigation, which became known as Operation Animal Mutilation, which... uh, was underwent in May of 1979. That one is so straightforward, actually, surprised. I know. God, every time we talk about these things, you got like the Condon Committee. Yeah, it actually has nothing to do with the actual project. Operation Paperclip. Interesting, I wonder why. Went with that. Yeah. An FBI agent by the name of Kenneth Rommel wasn't put in charge of it. Uh, This is widely called the Rommel Report from 1980 and is pointed to by most skeptics to explain why this is not something to be worried about. Hmm. So Kenneth Rommel had five objectives when he was writing this report. First off, to determine the reliability of the information on which the grant was based, which entailed gathering as much information as possible about cases reported in New Mexico prior to May of 1979, to determine the cause of as many mutilations as possible, especially those reported in New Mexico. And sorry, I should say this was centered out of New Mexico, uh, which is, at least at this time, I don't know if it still holds up, but Colorado and New Mexico are kind of considered the hotspots for animal mutilations in the U.S. Yeah, they're they're grasslands, though. They're they're where you're going to find probably some of the most... Yeah, but Texas as well. Oh, Texas. Yeah, you never know. And Texas doesn't really come up. Oh, it doesn't. Which, if you look at the Wikipedia page, one of the explanations they say is economic uncertainty because of the location of these states and being a lot smaller than Texas. But we can get to that later. Yeah. Three, to determine if livestock mutilations, as described, constitute a major law enforcement problem. Four, if these mutilations do constitute a major law enforcement problem, to determine the scope of the problem and to offer recommendations on how to deal with it. And five, if it is shown that the mutilation phenomenon is not a law enforcement problem, to recommend that no further law enforcement investigations be funded. Rommel's final report, released in 1980, was 297 pages long, and the report's introduction, Rommel states, according to some estimates, by 1979, 10,000 head of cattle have been mysteriously mutilated. However, the report concluded that the mutilations were predominantly the results of natural predation, but did acknowledge that some cases contained anomalies that could not be accounted for by conventional wisdom. The FBI was unable to identify any individuals responsible for the mutilations. Details of the investigations are now available under the Freedom of Information Act, which is why I was looking at that report on the FBI's vault website. There were some in New Mexico who felt that right when Rommel decided to start doing his investigation, like there was an eerie stop to all the mutilations that were going on. Investigator Christopher O'Brien from New Mexico said that during the six to eight months when Rommel was actively investigating mutilation in New Mexico, the state, specifically the northern tier, became suddenly quiet for very few true mutilations being reported to officials. Interesting, given what I'm going to say later in the episode. 
Valdez was convinced that Ron, um, sorry, Valdez is a different person who I didn't bring up. So we're just going to skip that part. There was a Valdez. Valdez is a state patrolman. So I guess we can just talk about him now. He was convinced. We don't have to. We can just say Valdez and leave it in mystery. It was literally the first five words of this sentence that I just skipped. And I was like, "Ah, it's too late. (laughs) I'm committed. But now this guy's here. Valdez is in our lives. He's convinced that Rommel never was able to investigate a single high strange case because the mutilators moved their operations to other parts of the West. Mm, Valdez up to something? He might have his ear to the ground a little bit more than everyone else. And Rommel was disgusted by dead necrotic cows and chose to let others do the actual investigations while he waited upwind in the car. And that's why he doesn't actually come up and he doesn't actually write the reports too much. He has other people documenting what's happening, but he's very hands off. I mean, it seems with the government that the dance that they're taking in all of this is that this is a lot of dollars in damage yeah. to these farmers. So they're, they have actual physical evidence here in which something is happening and they're kind of obliged to do something because it's so many millions of dollars that are like down the drain yeah and so but they also wanted to find an answer that's kind of the big thing as well i think yeah, i don't know if it's the government really to be honest with yeah. you that wants to find an answer but no sorry they want to find they want to find an easy answer i should say yes. not and to have none to of them really spend further money on research yeah, none of them really, and you'll see when we give the answers to what they're giving, none of them really yeah. fit so, um, what's going on. Rommel's report is big, and there's also one that comes out about the same time, and it was conducted by the Washington County in Arkansas's Sheriff's Department, in which they hypothesized that this was all just a natural phenomenon. Hmm. They yeah. conducted an experiment and left a carcass of a bull to rot, um, sorry, of a recently deceased cow, and it was left and observed for the next 48 hours. During the 48 hours, Post-mortem bloating was reported to have caused incision-like tears in the cow's skin that matched the surgical, because they put it in quotation marks, cuts reported on mutilated cows. While the actions of bowflies and maggots reportedly matched the soft tissue damage observed on mutilated cows. Yeah. Other experiments have also been conducted to compare the different reactions of surgically cut hide flesh and predated hide flesh to natural exposure. They demonstrated pronounced differences between surgical cuts and non-surgical cuts over time. And I did find this came from the National Center for Biotechnology Information. It's a scientific paper that was released by a veterinarian by the name of P. Nick Nation and Elizabeth S. Williams. Maggots, Mutilations, and Myth. Patterns of Postmortem Scavenging on the Bovine Carcass. In this paper, they basically say the following. It became obvious that there was virtually no information available about the patterns of scavenging of cattle carcasses on range in Western North America. It also became apparent that many experienced cattlemen, again, they're not cowboys, they're cattlemen, they've grown up, who had seen dead animals in the past, had not paid much attention to the details of scavenging. The cattle mutilation phenomenon drew attention to this lack of observation. In some cases, suspicion of foul play developed in the minds of the ranchers, and this often interfered with examination of the circumstances under which the animal died. Often the owner would not accept that an animal had died of disease and had been scavenged. In several situations, people observed a carcass with pieces missing, 
and assuming that it was maliciously done, did not look for evidence of scavengers in the area. Often, neighbors would gather, trample the local environment, and destroy evidence that might have existed. In many such cases, no post-mortem examination was performed, and consequently, a definite cause of death was not established. Many veterinary practitioners attributed the phenomenon to scavenging following the death by natural causes. Although this view is widely held in the veterinary profession, it has never been documented in the veterinary press. Can you imagine being a farmer, and I can put myself there, kind of. I mean, I've seen dead cows. Happening upon a mutilated cow, in which you were out in the pasture the day before, didn't see it there the day before, you come upon it, and it is messed up disturbing because you've never seen an animal like this before an article like this coming out saying that farmer the the cow man what was it cattleman cattleman had not paid attention enough to the carcass yeah when they've clearly these are for the most part when you're specifically dealing with cattle, I'm assuming these are all people who deal with them for their livelihood. Have seen a dead fur or two. And these are clearly bizarre, disturbing carcasses of animals. And an article like this comes out clearly trying to... What was that? Oh, the stream ended. No, I, I shared my screen. This is from the paper that I was just referencing. And yeah. these are some of the marks they're looking at. Oh, and you want me to watch it? Yeah, take a look at it. Didn't end it, wanted me to watch it. Yes. <laughs> but I just can't imagine being told, that's like gaslighting. Like being like, oh, you weren't paying enough attention. Yeah, these are oh. pretty disturbing. Yeah, but these are the exact type of things we've been talking about. A uh, anus of a bull scavenged by coyotes. Penis of a bull scavenged by coyotes. Scrotum of a bull scavenged by coyotes. And right here, those surgical-like circles around the mammary glands of a lactating cow. That's natural? That's a coyote bite. Mm. These are all coyote bites. Okay. And the big thing is, when a scavenger or a predator is going to start eating a body, the easiest place to start are these areas that are exposed yeah. and don't have thick hide on them. Yeah. So, like, you can find videos online of, like, hyenas and lions when they're eating their prey. Their heads go right up the anus of whatever they're eating to bite it. Because it's, it's easy to get at. Yeah. It really kind of is when you're saying it right now. But yeah. in all other cases, no. So, a lot of this stuff makes sense with how it does end up happening. And I do think there's definitely room in some of these cases for the explanation to be it. it does look weird, but it is natural predation. Yeah. That is all I had to show. Okay, thank you. Showing me a Cordodina. So, yeah. So those are how a lot of this does get explained out. I love this. This is what's called um, skeptic. So the skeptic's dictionary for when you think that something doesn't have a proper explanation. You can just come here. Oh, and I read what that. The, uh, yeah. yeah, I read that. And... Just the way it, they set up such a straw man in the way they're they're setting up this argument. So sorry, this is their definition of cattle mutilation. And they put mutilation again in quotation marks. The term mutilation is used to describe animal corpses with unusual or inexplicable features by UFO devotees and those who think our countryside <laughs> is plagued by satanic cults in search of animals for rituals. What counts as unusual or inexplicable, both in quotation marks, 
is just about any cut mark, wound, excision, incision, swelling, distension, abrasion, contusion, scrape, bruise, or organ or blood absence. These mutilations, we are told, are being done by bad aliens or by bad devil worshippers. No one has shown either that there are thousands of inexplicable animal deaths around the globe or that if there are, they are related, much less that they are the result of alien experimentation or satanic cult activity. Hmm. These facts, however, are no deterrent to those who are sure we are not alone and that Satan is everywhere. To these true believers, Satanists or visitors from other worlds are not only responsible for the deaths and mutilations of thousands of cattle, horses, cats, and other domestic animals around the globe, they are also responsible for numerous human abductions for the purposes of sacrifice by Satanists or experimental and reproductive surgery by aliens. Furthermore, some of these aliens are destroying crops around the globe in an effort to impress us with their artistic abilities or to communicate with us in strange symbols just how much they like our planet's cattle. It's a pretty horribly written article, to be it, honest. Yeah, it gaslights hard right off the bat. Or sorry, yeah. not gaslight, it's straw man's hard. Saying that it's only people who believe that it's Satanists and UFOs that are doing this. That yeah, bad aliens and bad Satanists. Yes. So then instead they attack this version of what they think the other side is instead of coming to their own conclusion. I was not yeah. a fan of that. No, it was a horribly written article. And I, I read through it, but I was like, wow, this is a horrible article. But this is not just a historical thing. There are still mutilations of animals all over the world happening. I found a few very recent ones. Uh, you found the 2015 one out of Calgary. Mm. where there was cattle mutilation just outside the city. I do believe it was also attributed to lightning, but I can't quite remember. And I feel a... like it's a go-to. Lightning's a go-to. It is. It's kind of like with UFOs and ball lightning. Yeah, there's a few go-to with all of them. Everything to kind of explain it away just so that you don't have to um, get into so, it. Sorry, there's just quick quotes from this article in the Calgary Herald. It all started June 6th. And this is 2015, when neighbors called to tell the Farquharsons a cow on their property was not moving. When she approached the cow, the uh, wife of the farmer, she saw the utter vagina and uterus were missing, along with a single eye. It was a hot day and the cow hadn't bloated by midday, suggesting whatever happened took place that morning, not the night before. Mounties arrived with one suggesting the cow digested one of three poisonous herbs, which hmm. ceased digestion and caused gas explosions. Yeah. But the couple say those plants aren't found in the area and there's no proof of an explosion. I love this quote. She exploded off of her vagina and there's not a drop of blood or a trace of matter around her. Yeah. <laughs> like how far did it explode? Into outer space? That is a good quote. There is also an article out of Australia from June 7th of 2021. A decade ago, Mick Cook began finding dead cattle on his remote 14,000 hectare North Queensland cattle station with distressing and inexplicable injuries. The first was a dead cow lying on the ground with her udder cleanly excised. We didn't take it very seriously, didn't know much about it, so I basically gave it a miss, Mick recalls. He admits that until recently, he didn't give too much thought to a succession of strange cattle deaths over the following years because in this rugged country northwest of Mackay, it's not unusual to occasionally lose animals, predators, or drought. But just over two years ago, he was patrolling the river country on his station and he found another dead cow. Imagine the Australian accent, if you wish. Yeah. I thought, well, another bloody one. 
As I'm driving past her, I seen her udder has been surgically removed. There was no blood or anything, but very neatly removed the whole udder. He also noticed that the poor animal's jowl, the lower part of his cheek, and one ear had been cleanly cut. He went back and looked at the other cattle that had died and found that they had been operated on as well in different ways. This is out of the seven news in Australia. So what are the explanations that have been proposed for this? We've gone through some already, obviously. So with the natural causes explanation that you already mentioned, other explanations of this could be missing lips, genitalia, anus caused by dehydration and or parasites seeking to enter the body where they can, being that of, you explain, soft tissue. That's the same with predators and stuff like that. Missing eyes, soft internal organs include blood flies and vultures, again, entering the body through the mouth or other directions to feed on the internal organs and going for those soft tissues like the anus, the genitalia, the eyeballs, and then the tiny ones going in through that to get to other organs that are missing. The absence of blood away from the body being, if they're attacked, being insects and scavengers getting the blood essentially before anybody gets there and eating it, I guess. Would they eat it? Yeah. Well, chupacabras, definitely, if they yeah. get there first. It's a whole other section that just has chupacabra. It has no explanation. So now you know chupacabras. The other absence of blood explaining would be blood pooling. So the heart stops pumping and the blood then pools at the bottom of the animal where it's And laying. coagulates, yeah. Yeah, so that's an explanation for the absence of blood, that it essentially all drains towards where the animal is laying. Yeah, so if an animal is predated after death, it won't necessarily spurt blood out. Wouldn't, I guess. Same with a human. Yeah. Yes. And then, like Taylor had mentioned earlier, the surgical incisions appearing to be surgical incisions could be caused by the shrinking of the hide, the hide or scavengers or predators as you may or may have not seen on the screen that he shared with me from coyotes or just the shrinking of the hide causing that incision like around the marks where scavengers may have been. However, with that being said, that wouldn't be instant with the hide shrinking. I would assume that would take some time. No, again, that is the, there's kind of three, just the initial part of the death where the blood starts to pool. Hmm. Fermentation then starts and it bloats. Hmm. And then the gas starts to release and it deflates. Yeah. Those are kind of the three important parts for what, all intents and purposes, the parts we're talking about. This is going to take some time for it to do it, though. It's not certainly going to happen over... It'll be about a three-day period. Yeah. And from my feelings about this, it doesn't actually specifically say anywhere. It's definitely within that three-day period that they're being found and inspected by the farmers and... A lot of the time by veterinarians as well. We can talk next about, or unless you wanted to go to a specific one next. What can we talk next about? I I'm wanted interested. to talk about cults. Yeah, let's talk about cults. So All the I next have about cults is that it's pretty popular. It is very popular and it kind of coincides very nicely with satanic panic in the U.S. A little bit yeah. earlier, but um, that's a, an era of U.S. media panic. I, I will just call it that, where um, 
the media blamed a spout of teenage suicides on Dungeons and Dragons and kids becoming too far gone due to Dungeons and Dragons. Is that satanic? Yeah, they think it is. They say because you're pretending there's magic. That's part of it. But there's also there were just cults of Satan worshippers running around the US. Everybody was worried about like even today, I think they don't allow you to uh, buy black cats too close to Halloween because they think Satanists. Yeah, they won't let you adopt them that close to Halloween. No, that's not a thing. That's very true. What? Yeah, because they're worried you'll sacrifice it. Yeah, people are. However, there was a thing I remember watching this. I'm going to say a couple years ago, and I was really disturbed by it at the time. And I really wished that I could have found out what happened with this. And they had, there's a dairy farm in the valley, Chilliwack or whatever, in which they had footage of a couple driving up in like a BMW or something. And they took like a week old calf and threw it in their trunk and drove away. Yeah. And they reported it on the news, and nothing ever came of it. I kept watching the news because I wanted to know if they found these people who stole a calf. Like, why would you be stealing a calf and throwing it into the trunk of your car? And that's the only explanation I could come up with. No. So maybe I fall cows, into this. Cows are very thing. valuable, especially if you can get them pre, um, pre-tagging or pre-branding. There's yeah. actually an entire section of our Criminal Code of Canada that is only about cattle rustling. It's not theft of anything else but cattle. Super bizarre, it's, but it was kind of like, because it's your livelihood, they need to have special rules for it. Cattle rustling is yeah. a very real thing. Never happened to us. It does happen, though. Yeah, it was like a super crazy thing that I kept following because yeah. I was like, who in their right mind would steal such a young calf and just throw it into the trunk of their car? Yeah, though it happens. Yeah. Um, so back to cults, though, there is a case that does put a little credence into this thought. In September of 1975, a forestry service employee in Blaine County, Idaho, reported seeing a group of people in black hooded robes. Several cattle (laughs) were found mutilated in the area the following day. On October 9th of 1975, a motorist on U.S. Highway 95 in northern Idaho in an area of frequent cattle mutilations reported police that some 15 masked individuals formed a roadblock with linked arms forcing him to turn around. Since the beginning of the cult hypothesis, law enforcement agents in several states and provinces, including Alberta, Idaho, Montana, and Iowa, have reported evidence implicating cults in several instances of cattle mutilation. During their investigation, the FBI and the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearm Agency were unable to find appropriate evidence, including signs of consistency toward between mutilations to substantiate that the animal's had been the victims of any form of ritual sacrifice or organized mutilation efforts. Okay. Those two cases are just kind of outliers for sure, but that's there are stories out there that lend credence to the idea that it is a uh, organized group. I wouldn't say no, because there's always something for everything. But the numbers in which these cattle, cattle, just made a word up there, cattle mutilations are happening, I don't know that it can all be left to cults. Yeah, then especially all the areas of the world. Of course, um, I have found it very hard to leave the anglicized part of the world, whether it be Europe, North America, or Australia. It definitely happens in South America as well. But these are all heavy Christian populations, which by extension also have sex that may or may not believe in the opposite of Catholicism, Satanists. I can't find anything in Asia. I tried really hard, but that I would be curious if they did have mutilation, whether or not they also attribute those 
do cults as well. I did find one in Asia, and I just didn't write it down, so I can't tell you it off the top of my I, head, but I did find one. I found one in India. It was actually pretty massive in 2010 to 15, but it turned out I it was dogs. It was really? dogs. Yeah. Okay, I was just going to say cattle mutilation in India is going to be like off the hook. There'd be riots. Um, the next one I want to talk a bit about is people believing it's the government or military doing experimentation. Yeah. So this one and, I actually got pretty in depth in, actually. Yeah. Well, because it gets interesting with the helicopters. Oh my God, there's so many crazy helicopter ones, which, yeah. just if we're going to start on this now, I just want to say I think this would be a good other episode for us to do. Unidentified flying helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> yes, actually, after hearing some of the stories, I agree as well. Yeah. They're pretty crazy stories. Yeah. And these aren't the only ones that are out there. I specifically kind of had to narrow it down. This after I started hearing about the helicopters and cattle mutilations and I started looking and they're pretty crazy. You want to go through a couple really quick? Well, I can just start generally on what we're talking yeah. about. Like we were just saying, there's a surprising amount of black unmarked helicopter sightings in the area the night prior to discovering a mutilated animal. There's also a lot of sightings that say helicopters are silent and make no noises. Some of them do make noise. A lot of them don't. And there are ranchers out there who believe that these mutilations are at the hands of the federal government, specifically referring to these helicopters and not just the black helicopters but just in general i'm not sure the connection between the black helicopters and the government and where they're making that connection i don't know if you're specifically with the government mentioned black helicopters but the general consensus is that they're the link i'm they never really mentioned why. Theorized reasons behind the government conducting mutilations include testing of biologically weaponry for Vietnam, research on emerging animal diseases and their transmission to humans and monitor mad cow disease is another reason. One of my sightings is 1979, three police officers in Dulce, New Mexico report an aircraft which resembles a U.S. military helicopter hovering around a site following a wave of an alleged mutilation of 16 cows. 1974, two unregistered helicopters, a white helicopter and a black twin-engine aircraft open fire on Robert Smith Jr. while he was driving his tractor on his farm in Iowa, and this is followed by a wave of cattle mutilations in the area. So maybe this is where they're getting that they're connected in some way. And um, just so we can clear this up a little bit, at least this is my personal opinion. The government is not secretly trying to keep track of BSE, bovine spongiform yeah. encephalopathy. They do not want anybody to know if it's there. That's it's what I, and that. I brought it up earlier in this episode too. It's not like they would be trying to keep track of it. No, in fact, the US government tries so hard to just keep its eyes and ears closed to anything that is mad cow. Hmm. They don't test for it like ever. And yeah. In Alberta, when we had that big outbreak in, I think it was 2003, Ralph Klein, the premier at the time, his big quote was, the farmer who found it should have, what you should do is shoot, shovel, and shut up. Yeah. Because all it does is create a headache where the world trade market is off for your beef, and you have to find this thing. Mad cow disease is a scary thing. It's, a, it's not a virus. It's not a bacteria. It's not a fungus. It is a prion. 
And prions are super weird. It's just a different type of protein that messes with your brain. Humans can get it too. Yeah. I just thought it was funny reading this though, that the government is specifically monitoring cattle specifically for this when there's many in other the middle, and ladies the first thing that comes up of a pandemic that originates from bats yeah why aren't these helicopters also monitoring bats i actually heard an interesting theory that it actually came from You're minks. About helicopters and bats i heard oh. that there's a proposal out there that it came from a mink farm oh i have to read more into it but there's um do you remember? I believe it was the Netherlands or yes. one of those countries. They had to euthanize all the minks in uh, the country. Well, there was something with, I think it was And it's Canada. in Vancouver area too. Yeah. All, there's a I lot of mink farms say, that get it. Yeah. I was just going to say there's something around here as well with mink farms. But that's another topic for another day. The other part too with testing biological weapons on it for Vietnam. The US had documented ways for testing on bodies, particularly human bodies. They were abducting corpses of children and testing things on them at this time. So I don't think they needed these partial parts of cows to test anything on. I would say I'm not gonna take away the... I'm not gonna say it didn't happen. I'm just saying that it's yeah, unlikely. I think reason. I think these reasons that they're giving are very unlikely. There's probably something a lot more sinister if it yeah. is the government happening because, and it'll probably be an episode if we choose to, we will choose to do this, don't worry, that they also have a hand in abductions. There's a lot of abduction scenarios in which the government is implicated. Yeah in abduction. So I if this is something they're doing, it's probably a lot more sinister than monitoring a disease. Oh, you really were right about the chupacabra thing. Other explanations. Local folklore has attributed the mutilations to chupacabras. Yeah. That's it. Chupacabra. What did they in Spanish? Blood sucker? Goat sucker. Goat sucker. sucker. That doesn't even work. They're cows. Yeah. And then the only other explanation on that has been proposed, at least on Wikipedia, which you guys would be surprised how hard it is to search for anything and get past the Wikipedia page. It, it is, this, I have never actually, no, just on this one, I have never found it where I try Googling 10 different sentences yeah. or keywords and Wikipedia article and three other ones are basically the only ones that repeatedly come up. Yeah. And then the rest have to do with factory farming and having to call farms. Hold on, so I'm not done with yeah. the black helicopters. Yeah, go ahead. So the other thing with this is with the government involvement in the black helicopters being spotted in conjunction with all these animal mutilations, this ended up being a big problem for the farmers since they were losing so much money. And they formed armed vigilante groups to patrol their fields at night because these black helicopters were being spotted in such large numbers, I guess, prior to these sightings. Parties ran ads in Colorado urging ranchers not to shoot at their survey helicopters because they were armed vigilante groups that were patrolling their fields at night because they were so concerned about this. And then government helicopters were told to cruise at much higher altitudes to avoid being shot at by farmers around this time that this was happening as well. So they were up in arms and they were obviously very adamant that it was these black helicopters and the government having to do with these mutilations. And then one more black helicopter sighting just before we end out the government and the black helicopters. So this specifically comes from Linda Moulton Howe and I always love me some Linda Moulton Howe because she has some really good high strangeness. So a man wrote 
her a letter and she later spoke with him about this, explaining that he was inside visiting with his mother while the kids were playing outside and they had their eyes on the kids. And they see a black helicopter approaching out the window while the kids are playing outside, silent and very low to the ground. And it was so low to the ground that they called the kids in because they were worried about how low this helicopter was to the ground. And so they call the kids in and this helicopter approaches, they watch it come closer and closer. And when it gets so close to the house where they're watching it, they see the helicopter transform into a perfect black square, which starts rising up into the sky. And they see it blink, transform into a silver disc, and then just pop, gone. This one actually has nothing to do with animal mutilations, but it was a black helicopter. And I just, it's so creepy the way that it's manipulating reality. It's almost like it's pretending to be something that we would ordinarily see in our we would accept life. yeah yeah that we would accept but it's still yeah. it has that something off about it just like when yeah. we were talking about the bigfoots it has no sound to it and it's interacting in a way that it's so low to the ground that we're like what's going on here yeah that's my black helicopter and yeah there's enough out there to do an entire episode on just black helicopters which are just a type of ufo and i would actually consider it a ufo not a uap because it does seem like an unidentified flying object instead of a phenomenon yeah and then of course the last explanation that is generally put forward for what's happening here is ufos we've talked enough about ufos to say that i don't think we need to spend much time on this and there's not really that much to talk about other than there are orbs of light a lot of the times people are seeing some people have seen their cattle going up in beams of light which is super bizarre yeah or they've seen there have been sightings of orbs and such over fields in my googling there's actually a new series on the history channel of skinwalker ranch have you seen it i I heard about it i haven't seen it though supposed to be really good so i watched an excerpt of it and they actually had some really good footage in which and I was watching it with the sound off, um, have you? But it was of a pasture with a cow clearly there. And there was an unidentified object flying over the trees, moving over the trees. They had it on video. And I'll have to send it to you. I don't have it up right now. I could probably find it fairly quickly. Well, I'm finding it actually maybe i can find it and show you there was another interesting thing that i found with ufos in which an abductee was speaking of their experience um with grace it was with grace and they were being explained the abductee was being explained to the gray that they're here to take care of us and watch over the planet So they're watching over us as a species and basically what they're doing with the animal mutilations, as with everything, is testing the environment and making sure they she didn't exactly say what they were testing for, but it had to do with like us with nuclear bombs and stuff like that to make sure that we're not destroying ourselves. The thing that I thought was interesting about that is you see so many UFO encounters with them grid-like searching over areas. One notable thing where they're searching grid-like over that is Rendlesham Forest. Um, UFOs are conducting grid-like searches. So that's kind of what that reminded me of with what 
she was told as an abductee is that they're kind of monitoring the environment and what's what's going on with everything. So just another notable thing. Couple things I did want to touch on as well. I did some research and I found some interesting stuff out of Irish folklore and Celtic folklore in general. And I just want to see what you think of these things. So first off, in Irish culture, the elves have got a worse name for stealing than they deserve. So far as taking things without the knowledge or consent of the owner is concerned, the accusation is well-founded. They neither ask nor obtain leave, but there are important respects in which their depredations differ from the pilferings committed among men by jailbirds and other dishonest people. The fairies do not take their booty away bodily. They only take what is called in Gaelic, it's torrid i.e. its substance, virtue, fruit, or benefit. The outward appearance is left, but the reality is gone. Thus, when a cow is elf-taken, it appears to its owner only as suddenly smitten with some strange disease. In reality, the cow is gone, and only its semblance remains, animated it may be by an elf, who receives all the attentions paid to the sick cow, but gives nothing in return. The semen cow lies on its side and cannot be made to rise. It consumes the provender laid before it, but does not yield milk or grow fat. In some cases, it gives plenty of milk, but the milk yields no butter. If taken up a hill and rolled down the incline, it disappears altogether. If it dies, its flesh ought not be eaten. It is not beef, but a stock of alderwood, an aged elf, or some trashy substance. Interesting. I find that last little bit really interesting, that the flesh is replaced, so... At least that may be trying to explain away some form of there's no blood. Could. I think there could be a lot of explanations for it. And then just, this is from Orkney culture. Orkney is the northernmost islands in Scotland. Mm. They say, when not fighting among themselves, the fairies and trows were renowned, disliked, and particularly feared for their habit of attacking livestock and humans. When an animal becomes thin and ill, it was said to have been elf-shot or tro-shot. To remedy this potentially disastrous condition, every Orkney parish turned to the women who were said to be able to diagnose the disease hereafter to restore the animal to health. In all these cases, the malicious fairy's weapon was usually a stone or flint arrowhead, but sometimes a projectile was a sharp splinter of wood. When summoned to an elf-shot animal... The wise women would examine every part of the animal's body, looking in particular for a hairless spot on its side or any lumps beneath the skin. These, she would assure the onlookers, were signs that the animal had been tro-shot. Her final test was to pierce the skin of the cow in various places with a large needle. If the beast did not bleed, it was obvious that it was bleeding from the fairy's inflicted hurt on the inside. There's also a lot of um, stories about deer being the true livestock of the elfish people, but that's like a whole other thing. So I did find that interesting where they talk about these first off them being just different before the death and then there being weird things attributed to them like not bleeding and the flesh being noticeably different. Yeah, I wonder if that's, and it's nothing that came up at all that these livestock were ever different before this. No, but it's kind of hard to say just because we're talking about it in some way where it's very folklorish. Yeah. So it might be a sign that you just wouldn't know about normally. 
Yeah. Which could be multiple reasons. But yeah, I just thought it was an interesting speculation. I tried to find different cultures, how they might explain it away back in the day. And that definitely came up as something that happened for cattle. I did try to find anything for Native Americans, but um, there were no domesticated animals in North America prior to Europeans coming here. So... And anything else you want to add? I have a thing I want to finish it off with, but I want to wait till the end for it. Just again, a lot of these farmers, while we did see some examples of predators causing things like this, a lot of these farmers where this is their livelihood have seen things like that and know what they're looking at. And also have a lot of this with veterinarians coming in and reporting this as well, that they're kind of bizarre cases. But I think that's about all that I have to input okay. on it. Well, if by some semblance of a chance you are leaving here with some hope or at least some peace of mind with everything you just heard, well, don't worry, I have something to put that at bay. Good. This does also, in fact, happen to humans. There's documented cases around a lot of the world that have a lot of similarities to this. I'm going to talk about one in Idaho in 1979. The mutilated and nude body of a young man was found in a wilderness area, mutilated in the same fashion that has become to become familiar with cattle. His genitals had been surgically removed. His lips had been taken off and an ear was missing. There was a noticeable lack of blood. When found, his bare feet were clean and unmarked and he was wearing only his underwear. His possessions oh were later found several miles away. Several law enforcement people have tried to look into the human mutilation cases. One of them concluded that someone is sitting on something big as hell. And that comes from a UFO magazine and the tape of a speech entitled The Possibility of Human Mutilations, given by oh, Mr. Eckers. Oh, that so gives yeah. me creeps. There is another one as well, but I just wanted to stick to that one. It, uh, it just matched the description so perfectly. Yeah, it does. This came from an article entitled The Unspeakables, and it was on the MUFON of Ohio website. And it was by... Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah. It was by Irina Scott, who has a PhD, and William E. Jones, who Ugh, is a I lawyer. Just... Don't worry, it's not just your food it will get. Whatever it is. And with that, we're going to take a bit of a break from the paranormal. And next week, we are going to talk about corruption in our own mounted police. Or oh, least, I didn't even know that. I'm just yeah. finding out about it now. <laughs> yeah. I found an interesting case that at least it needs to have some questions answered. And no, with everything going on this year, I don't even doubt it. It's not even far-fetched. I believe it. Yeah. So stay tuned if you want to learn more about the beautiful RCMP that we have up here in the Great White North. And how it can be just as bad as the U.S. police system in some ways. <laughs> stay tuned. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. Uh, we are a new podcast, and we would very much so appreciate if you could like, subscribe, share, and if possible, provide a five-star review or some sort of feedback if you feel like there's anything we could be doing better. But Five-star review is the best thing you can do for us, as it does help, unfortunately, in the world of algorithms. Yes, please and thank you. And you can follow us on social media at Journey to the Fringe. We don't have all of them, so try searching it. Instagram, we're on Facebook. Right now, we have a subreddit. And if there's anything you want to hear in the future, 
feedback, anything, you can email us at journey to the fringe at gmail.com. If there's something we're missing but, uh, that you'd like to see us on, please let us know. We only know what we know. So we're only and in so many places. Also, if you feel that we have gotten anything wrong, please let us know there as well, as we would really like to have the best information possible. We are mm-hmm. only as good as our research. And if you can provide anything further, it's a real help. Or if you want to share anything, we yes. will definitely, we're open to shares. So yes, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.